The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. From the studios of The Shepherd Radio Network, it's Afternoons with Mike. This next hour is all about our walk with Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey friends, welcome to Afternoons with Mike once again here on The Shepherd. I have on the line with me Mindy Bells. We talked to Mindy sometime back. Uh, Mindy left her work that she had done with World Magazine last uh, fall, but she's now doing freelance work and keeping her finger to the pulse through a newsletter. Uh, it, it is really great to have you on the line, Mindy. Welcome back. Hi, Mike. It's great to have you. Uh, tell me what's been going on. I know that uh, you wrote for the Wall Street Journal uh, an article on Ukraine, and that certainly is one of the things that I wanted to ask you about. Yeah, well, I was having this nice little season of um, partly of taking a little break from 25 years of writing and reporting for World Magazine. Um and uh, and just a lot of travel, a lot of covering of conflict and things that were always a little bit hard. Um, and so uh, my husband and I both decided that it, hey, I needed a little sabbatical from that. But then we had this war that came along, as you know. And um, as it became clear that that uh, Vladimir Putin was going to invade Ukraine, and then as we all saw that he did what everyone hoped he wouldn't do, which was an all-out invasion, I was getting calls and requests from people, and and so it it sort of forced me to jump back in, and I'm I'm really glad that I was able to do that, and and glad for just the opportunity to be connected with what I consider just a really remarkable community of people who when conflicts like this happen, things that seem impossible for all of us, recognize that all of us can play roles of different kinds. And that includes aid workers and and mission workers and people who want to just come alongside and pray for world victims and, and all kinds of people. And so um, restarting my Globetrot newsletter, which you and I were talking about, it's now on Substack and um, people can subscribe to it there. Uh, right now, it's coming out once a week. I am, I mean, even today, working on a report um, and, and and just as a way of kind of reflecting and pulling together what in the world God is doing in the world is, is how I would put it. And, and just trying to keep our perspective, not only on the things that we see on the ground, but on the way that we know that God's working in spite of how hard things are. You know, sometimes I think people who are watching and following the Ukraine war that's going on with Russia, and there's a couple of things that I believe most people would feel. Number one, they're very surprised at the tenacity of Ukraine and how that they are being led by Zelensky through this incredible siege and and bombardment of uh, shellings of train stations, children's hospitals. They, it's heartbreaking. But the, the, mm -hmm. the people of Ukraine have really uh, had it together, haven't they? I, I think that ha that has been the single factor that has made all the difference in this conflict. And it also makes it such a human drama that what we're seeing every day are hundreds of volunteers. Um, I was on the phone. Um, 
overnight and over the last couple of nights with different aid groups. And, you know, one, not a huge aid group um, that has supported churches throughout Ukraine for years and years and years, one of the oldest uh, groups working there called Mission Eurasia. They have a warehouse. And as we were talking, there were 100 people, it was 8 o'clock at night, 100 people um, packing food parcels, and then there are drivers waiting to take them into these very, very active war zones right now in the southeast. And, you know, all the issues that go with that, are the trucks insured? Are the drivers uh, properly prepared for what they might encounter? Is it going to be safe? Are they going to be able to get the food in? But you had, you know, I'm... I'm getting pictures. There are 100 people in this warehouse, and none of them are getting paid. They're all doing this to support people that they probably don't even know in another part of their country. So, and that is happening every single day around the clock. And um, I, I think that it's just as a human drama we don't want to miss. We don't want to get weary of following um, what's happening. And obviously, we want Ukrainians, I think, to prevail. That's another thing about this. You know, so many of the conflicts that I've covered have been civil wars and um, wars where you would have to kind of manage all sides of a very complex conflict. And, and there is something of a straight narrative running through this. I mean, Russia, in a very unprovoked uncalled for way invaded this country. They've been clear. Vladimir Putin has been clear. He simply wants it. Um, and, and, and that is, and, and what we're learning more about as we focus on this is just what are some of the contrasts um, between Ukraine and Russia under Vladimir Putin, um, Ukraine moving toward a democracy in a, in a messy way and a not always, um, but we know that democracy is messy. And um, but moving toward it in very demonstrable ways that um, are are simply not happening in Russia. So we know that the future is not bright if Russia succeeds in this conflict. Did you ever cover Zelensky before uh, all of this began in in uh, any ways of depth or or research? Uh, yes, because you know he was a total surprise. Yes, winner. he was. Um, <clears throat> You know, we were all like, this guy is a comedian. And, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can see this TV series he started where he actually became a surprise president. And it's it's so ironic and almost eerie to watch this TV show now. And you can see his comedy shows. And um, he was a completely unlikable, almost are you serious that he won uh, situation. And, and so, yes, uh, I... I covered that and did like others were asking questions, who is this guy when he was elected? But even before that, watching what happened, what Russia's intervention in Ukraine, particularly in 2014, and I was uh, editor of World Magazine at that time, so I was working very closely with a reporter who was covering that on the ground for us. And um, you had Ukrainians, and I think these are the seeds of the tenacity that, tenacity that we see with Ukrainians right now. He, um, you know, they were turning out in the streets of Kiev and other cities every single day, and they had set up these barricades, and they were determined that Russia was not going to undermine their political process, which it was trying to do to put in place um, their own sort of puppet presidential uh, candidate as opposed to the one who actually won the election. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's when we began to see. And then what was striking 
is that at the time, you know, if you remember soon after that, Russia simply went in and took Crimea. And the international response to that was incredibly muted. And we can look back on that now as we so often see the seeds of a larger conflict as in this kind of standing down that the international community did in 2014 and 2015 when, um, when Putin invaded uh, Crimea. And that gave them an important launching pad that they've been using now for the last six weeks or so uh, to, to prosecute this current war. How do you think things from uh, Putin's standpoint are, are being, uh, let's say, apprised and, and thought about with all of the stuff that's happened that is negative against them. I mean, they've received more pushback, surely, than what he thought they were going to get from Ukraine. That is without a doubt. But what do you think he's thinking at this stage? Is there ever anything in his mind, do you think, that he bit off more than he could chew? Well, I I, I wish any of us knew the mind of Putin. I don't know that even the experts do, and I'm certainly not an expert, but it appears, you know, as we're watching that they have clearly failed in their first round of fighting and they pulled back. They've been, they weren't prepared for the kind of war that they entered. I think they thought there would be a swift, I think he thought there would be a swift takeover of the government that he would be able to force out. And, you know, keep in mind, these countries have been involved in watching other conflicts. And, uh, you know, Russia watched as the U.S. stood down in August in Afghanistan, watched as European powers followed suit on that. And um, and as a result, uh, you know, they expected that kind of response from the United States and from Europe. And so, first of all, you had uh, Putin having to having to beat these unbeatable Ukrainian people, then seeing the sanctions and the um, and the response from the United States. And and so it is very isolated and I think it's very vulnerable militarily. But now what you have I think is is Putin trying to take control of areas that where he thinks Ukraine is vulnerable. And that's areas that he already has had um, military support in, and that would be Crimea and the Donbass region. And if he can, and, and Mariupol sits right in between the two. So the the incredible devastation that we've seen in that city, um, we heard from President Zelensky this week that it's utterly destroyed. Um, if they can control that that southeast region of Ukraine, then I think they will essentially sue for peace terms. I think that's that's where Putin is headed right now. And the question is then going to be if, if Europe and US, the U.S. and NATO powers are going to be okay with that, because I, I, I just, it's hard to see um, Vladimir Putin being anything but aggressive and determined to increase his reach in this particular region. And so is that going to be policed by NATO forces somehow on the ground in Poland, NATO forces, uh, or an international peacekeeping uh, force in Ukraine. I don't know that anyone has an appetite for that. And that's what Putin is counting on right now, that what he's seen so far is, yes, a very fierce um, opposition to what uh, to his invasion. 
but that long term, he's counting on sort of the Afghan Afghanistan effect, the Iraq effect. He's counting on the United States and NATO not having the willpower, the stomach for this as a long term thing. Mm -hmm. And he seems to be, and as he's shown, like you said, entering in 2014 into a conflict in Ukraine. It, it's not uh, the first time this has happened, and he seems to have some sense of patience to wait. Uh, as he has done, and it is—it's so devastating to think about uh, the way that my just heartless type of bombing uh, again on children's hospitals, on train stations. Well, uh, right. you mentioned um, Mission Eurasia, and and really just kind of blowing up some of their buildings, and and right—it's it, just uh, devastating to see what's going on right. there. Yeah. And I think that what we're seeing is in a very, um, a, a, a very a sort of a, a larger macro theme is that that war fighting, even when it involves the largest military powers in the world or larger armies, um, is is happening now on a really new footing. And Russia, I think that we have we've given Russia a lot more um, credit. For fighting on civilized terms than we than we should have. Mm -hmm, I agree. When Russia, when Russia, you know, carried out brutal campaigns in Chechnya, and has been part of just the most brutal scenes that we saw during the Syrian civil war, the the siege of Aleppo. What we saw, and I was covering that closely, seeing people fleeing Aleppo in their pajamas fleeing these uh, barrel bombs that were being launched by the by the Syrian government that were just devastating to civilian populations. Those were being launched under cover of Russian air support. And that Russian air support was in Syria was made possible because the Russians and the United States, we were sharing uh, air, air intel with them at the time. And so... We have to be unraveling this and looking at, um, are we going to look at a 10-year siege in Ukraine? Are we going to look at something like the Chechen war, like the Syrian war? I just don't think that, that Europe and the United States should stand for this. It, it is just these endless cycles of refugee crises and humanitarian crises that come about because of the way this war is being fought. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it, it it just makes me think that the United States and NATO and others are going to have to come together, um, and and uh, you know I want to I want to pull pull back from saying that we have to be involved in this war militarily. Clearly, we are in some ways, but I don't necessarily mean that we have to enter with our own armies this war. But I simply mean that that Russia has to, and the way it's starting to feel the push mm -hmm. and and the and the pinch of and the isolation of the way that it's fighting this war that has to continue. We can't let up on that. Well all of this is happening at a time when America is almost imploding governmentally from within. You look at the crises here in our own country, the border being open, and uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, that it's it's much worse than we can even imagine. I feel sorry for all of those uh, agents down there on the Texas border, but uh, just the news today that uh, 
uh, a bus has arrived in D.C., and I'm, I, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with the refugees that uh, Biden insisted on coming in. Well, the governor of Texas has shipped them to Washington, D.C., so that's going to be interesting to see. All of this going on in Ukraine is happening at a time when we're not doing so great right here in the good old U.S. of A. Right. I think that we're going to continue to pay a price for not for Congress primarily not resolving um, through legislation, immigration and, and border border issues. And and, you know, as you're alluding to, for Republicans and Democrats not being able to come together and recognize that it's going to take compromise. It is it is not going to be a Democratic solution. It's not going to be a Republican solution. There's going to have to be a compromise that gets us a properly policed border, that gets that where we're communicating. I mean, I, I, I just I'm always struck with how there's some simple ways that we can be communicating to migrants that we're going to we're going to process legitimate asylum claims, but we're not we're going to deport people who don't have legitimate claims. If right. we can get to that place, then we can um we can, I hope, end what has become theater, really, between Republicans and Democrats and is not really moving us toward a solution and is not taking care of people with legitimate needs. We've had you know, incredible uptick of Ukrainians showing up at our Mexican-U.S. border uh, simply because they don't have legitimate ways to apply for asylum in places where they should be able to. And they, mm. and they are just sort of acknowledging that the United States doesn't have a workable procedure anymore. So we're just going to try the migrant procedure. And and that's what we're going to see more and more of every time there's an eruption of war and conflict in the world. It's going to show up at our, our literal physical doorstep. And that's not something that we have had to contend with in the past. And, and it just, it speaks to what you're talking about, a lack of integrity and security uh, in our system, not simply at our border, but in our system um, that allows us to have this sort of lawless uh, state. And it and it re- is reflected in this kind of lawless conflict where international law is being every day um, made light of by mm-hmm. Russia's conduct in the war in Ukraine. And, and as we've seen that in other areas, and then it is reflected in this lawless conduct that, that actually compromises the integrity of our own borders and many others, too. European nations are dealing with the same thing. Mindy, give us your address. We're just about out of time. How can people follow you? Well, I'll, I'll give you um, my, uh, my Globetrot newsletter is on Substack, and it's at Mindy Bell's all one word, mindybells.substack.com. All right, Mindy Bells, B-E-L-Z. And you can also read, uh, just Google her Wall Street Journal report on Ukraine, as well as the many, many years of wonderful work you've done at World Magazine. Uh, Thank you so much, Mindy, for this. We'll have to be checking in from time to time with you. Thank you. Mike, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure, and friends, we'll be right back with more of Afternoons with Mike in just one moment. With me on this segment from Affordable One, it is our good friend Don Kirkendall. Don, how are you? 
obviously not having the fun day that you are, but the rain is approaching. It could hit any moment, and then we'll see what happens. (laughs) There's always a little bit of humor laced in uh, a response when I ask you a question. I do like that about you, Don. Don, you're one of our uh, new supporters uh, of this thing called the Christian Business Showcase. And we even have all of the supporters, all of our advertisers on our website right now. First of all, I just want to say thank you for investing in our listeners and in the shepherd. Thank you for that. Well, we're happy to help. It's uh, what's always comical when you advertise on things is that you will always get the competitors. It's like magic. You know, if you think no one's listening to your program, well, your competition always is. Mm -hmm. And so (laughs) we, we got these phone calls from some people and uh, I said, well, you know, we're happy to help, whatever it may be. And I said, you know, if you want to send us something, send it. So they sent it. And I, I sent it back and I went, are you working or living on the same planet as those folks? <laughs> and oh, so no. they're still they're still trying to figure that out. Uh, but it's a good thing. No, we're happy to help. So well, uh, we're, whatever we can do. And we are, uh, as a radio station, always happy to spread the word out as well back toward our many advertisers. And we are so thankful uh, for you. And uh, I enjoyed having you up in the studio the first time you were here and uh, learning about the the things that are facing uh, all of us today in this crazy upside down world. Things are, are just continuing to baffle my mind in some areas. We are making a recovery. Uh, and, and yet, with all that's gone on since you and I talked, I I believe that inflation rocket just got lit and took off since you were last up here. My wife had me go to the grocery store the other day, and in the entire time I've been on planet, I don't ever remember seeing empty shelves in a grocery store mm-hmm. or the prices that are there now. And it just, you know, blew me away. It's um and and I was laughing so hard because someone was doing something recently, I forget where I was, and they were talking about prices. And I said, well, but wait a minute, you're one of the people that supported that we do A, B, and C. And he said, well, yeah. I said, well, let's sit here with a piece of paper. Let me show you how A, B, and C work out in terms of inflation, where if gas goes up, now you got to put gas in the truck, the truck delivers to the store, the store has to do all these things. And um, it, it truly is mind-boggling sometimes when you see or hear some of the comments and then you see the end result of it. So it's fascinating. It really is uh, crazy to think that we could do all of the things on day one of the administration that president Biden did and not have disastrous circumstances as a result. It's really mind boggling to think what were they thinking? What, uh, when you end America's energy independence, by ending all of the work on our own pipeline and all of our domestic oil, and that's all just kind of thrown away. It it doesn't take to me. It seems a rocket scientist to figure out we were we should have been heading, and we did head to that direction very very quickly. And you're right. When you take gas, that's more than just companies that sell gasoline are impacted. I mean, literally every other aspect of American life is going to end up costing more because those trucks carry all of those goods and services. And then, Don, you take you exacerbate the problem with this uh, supply chain thing, and that is not getting seemingly a whole lot better either. 
Well, it's I'm, I'm finally going solar, and I've resisted it forever for a wide variety of reasons. And my wife is like, wait a minute, but you're the guy. I said, okay, let's, I'm a big paper pencil guy. I said, let's sit down and look at something. Let's go look at our power bill, and let's look at what our power bill has done. And then you factor in, again, gasoline and all mm-hmm. these varieties of things. And I said, our biggest problem in getting old is going to be, are we going to be able to afford the electric? And it it just, all of a sudden, you know, it dawned on her that, yeah, wait a minute, you know, that whole issue kind of gets out there. But see, the problem is you keep using that word think. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really sure a lot of that, you know, went into some of those changes. Girl here in my office, lovely young lady, came to me just today, and she said, well, I heard the president say that they may be forgiving all college loans. I said, well, that's bad for you. And she went, how is that bad for me? I owe X amount of money. And I said, well, let's walk through this for a second. What do you think the value of a college degree is going to be when it's free? Mm -hmm. And she said, I don't get it. And I said, what's it worth? I said, if they're just going to hand them out in a street corner and they're not going to charge you and you're not going to spend any time investing in it and working hard to do that. I said, now, you know, what the price is, I said, I have several I had I was in the military, I had student loan, but all my stuff got paid for. I said, but you need to sit down and think sometime about what's the value of the free stuff. And so she's still thinking on that over there. But I, I know tomorrow morning she's going to come in and go, you know, I hate it when you're right. <laughs> and I went, I said, well, but when you get to be a certain age, you know, certain concepts grasp you. And yeah. the free word is always a problem. Yeah. Because I... somebody's paying for it somewhere. Yeah, I stood next to a young lady that was probably, oh, I don't know, I want to say 16, 17 years old, one time at a um, a CVS, and I'm standing in line, and I'm getting ready to pay for my medicine that I got, and she was there waiting, I guess, on the, the clerk behind the counter for some reason. And as I handed her my credit card, she goes, oh, I'd love to have a credit card. Then then I would have just, I could buy whatever I wanted to buy. Sure. I mean, that's the kind of concept that a lot of young people, unfortunately, have, because I'm not sure, A, their parents, where were they? B, the schools, well, we both know where they are right now. Where that went, yeah. Yeah. There you go. That, they're, that's, they're not teaching economics anymore. And the idea is <laughs> that's right. No, this, this is a true story. My uh, granddaughter is 10 years old, my beautiful granddaughter. She was with us. And so she's in this accelerated thing, but she's struggling with math. And she comes home and I said, why don't you show me how they teach you math? And so the way that I taught my, her father, my son's mathematics is with coins. And so I have pennies, nickels, dimes, and quarters. And you can take a 10-year-old, and in about 15, 20 minutes, using coins, you can teach them that a nickel has five ones in it, that a dime has two fives, or it has 10 of these. And within 20 minutes, she's like, wow, that's incredible. She, you know, why didn't teacher tell me this? Because teacher doesn't want you to know. Because if it were that easy, you would already be doing it. So she comes home the next day. I said, so how was your math class? Well, I got all the questions right. Great. But teacher said, I can't do that. I, teacher said, you can't do what? She said, well, I didn't do it right, so the answers don't count. I said, look, 
here's what we're going to do. You go be nice to the teacher, but in about eight years when you get out of school and you have to come out in the world and do things, you're going to like this a lot better. Mm-hmm. And she goes, I don't know if I can do that. And I said, well, I'll let you do it. How's that? But think about that. In 20 minutes, she grasped the whole concept because it was money. Because kids understand that. You go to the store, you want to buy something, you have to have money. Yeah. And so if you use money to teach them mathematics, they just they jump right on it. Even, I mean, I think I did that with her father when he was probably seven or eight years old. I mean, it's that quick. You're right. And, you know, how many times, Don, have you had to help somebody that is behind the counter? They're making change for a dollar and they get stumped. They don't know how to do it. It it really is sad. Register went down. Scanner went down. And I was at a store with that. Scanner went down. I just start laughing. And the guy's like, uh, well, what's so funny, sir? I said, I'm so old that I used to sell that stuff when I was in the computer business. Mm-hmm. And that was always our biggest fear was that the battery power thing would die and you guys wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. Zeros. Teach yeah. the concept of zero to a child mm-hmm. sometime. I said, look, here's the shortcut. If you have 10 of these times these, you just add a zero. Well, you can't do that. Why not? Teacher said you can't do that. Okay, well, teacher's got some other issues, and you don't want to get in the middle of that, but take my word for it, this whole, and she sat there for about an hour with that zero thing to where now if you go to her and you say zero times this is what, she doesn't even think about it. Boom, she knows. Yeah. Ten times is, you know, hundred, and because kids can pick that stuff up in the blink of an eye. Well, it is a, a, indeed a sad time in many regards in our school and our education systems. But, uh, you know, th- let's talk for a moment about something that is also real and sadly too real for a lot of senior citizens right now who are trying to save money, who are trying to understand insurance in in this uh, new season of their life when they're on Medicare. What do you think right now are the let's say the top things, the top couple of things that someone that is approaching retirement, what do they need to to consider? What do they need to do in order to be as ready as they can be for retirement? Well, you mentioned the thing that is the most cruel thing out there, and that's inflation, because it may not have happened to you, but it's happened to me. As you wake up one morning and you go, wait a minute. Where did all this stuff come from? Example, Medicare Part B, about, and I'm not sure exactly, but I know at least 10 years ago, it was under $100 a month. That's right. Today, it's 170 Now, that means that this thing is a heartbeat away from doubling, and that's what people have to pay before they get any additional help on Medicare. And... So the, the, the biggest thing for people who are you know, turning 65, had some folks in here the other day, and we're walking through all these different things they need to be concerned about. I said the biggest thing that you want is you don't want any debts. So the closer you get, the more that you can pay off, the better. Mm-hmm. And you want to be very aware that nothing is going to get cheaper. I appreciate the government loves electric vehicles for a variety of reasons, but if you've looked at one of those things – They start out at about 50% more than a gasoline vehicle, and you've got to have a special charger unit at your house, which jacks up your electric. It's like I mentioned solar earlier, same problem, where this power isn't going to come out of the sky. Well, solar, I guess it does, but somebody's going to pay for that stuff someplace, somehow. 
the biggest other thing for seniors is you mentioned it prescriptions. Um, people will, you'll look at commercials on TV and you mm-hmm. have these washed up football players and they go, Oh, and you could be paying zero. Yeah. Well, you know, you could go out and paint your foot blue too, but the reality of it is that the woman that sat here in my office yesterday has two prescriptions that cost over $500 each. And so we're going to send her back to her doctor and say, you need to have a conversation with him because that's a thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. That's more than a car. That's probably, that's almost what an apartment or, or, you know, house payment. I, I said, or it used to be anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's but, right. But prescriptions. Yeah. Health, Health insurance isn't what hurts seniors. What hurts them is that cost of prescriptions because the more you get, and if you don't understand the system and what preferred pharmacies are all about and the variety of things that go into that, you can wake up on the bad end of something. Very, very expensive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when they're not ready for it or when they're on a fixed income and maybe they're only living on that uh, Social Security check, that goes away pretty quickly, doesn't it? Well, I mean, just for kicks, sit down, you know, with your significant other and play with a spreadsheet and start. I did this recently with my wife because we're doing this whole thing about, you know, what we have, where we have it, what we're going to keep. Satellite TV. Satellite TV is about $200 a month. Mm. You start adding all these neat things together, and I showed my wife, I said, you don't see it now because we run a business and income-wise we're in a decent place, but let that stop tomorrow. And now DirecTV is not your friend. Yeah. <laughs> I love DirecTV, but, but it doesn't matter who it is. You know, it, it all of a sudden, the telephone. Mm-hmm. You know, we still have a wired phone in our house because we've had the number forever and ever, but it's about to go away. Um, because I can go out and buy an inexpensive cell phone, stick the number on there, plug it in, and if somebody calls, they call. Because that wired phone is like $50 a month. It's There are just so many things that you take for granted before that income stops, because when you retire, things do not get cheaper. They don't get cheaper in many ways. They get more expensive because as we get older, we also find ourselves on more medication or different kinds of medication and Lord forbidding of serious health problems. Those medications, the total bill can be astronomical if they have no help. But that is something that can be done through uh, some uh, prescription insurance. And I know you guys do that as well. Well, the most frustrating thing that we see on the prescription side is every September we're going to send you a card. And the card says it's that time of year you get to make changes in October. And so if nothing else, make sure you let us review your prescription drug plan for free. We don't charge for that. And so 90% of the clients never bother. Now, I'm convinced the reason they don't do it is so they can call me up in February and have a hissy fit and say, do you know how expensive my drugs are? And at which point I'm kind enough to point out, but you didn't want us to review that for you in October. Mm -hmm. Uh, I forgot. No, you didn't forgot. You just didn't do it. And so it's one of those things that people need to put on their calendar every October is go find their agent, go find wherever they got what they got on Medicare and have that stuff reviewed. Simply because plans change. The tier levels within the drug plans change, 
uh, we just got an upgrade this week mm-hmm. on pricing for Medicare supplements. And so we were sitting here in the office going through all the various companies to see who was doing what price-wise. And I'm predicting the future in that a certain company who all of a sudden the gap between them and the number one guys is smaller, but see, they're not telling people they're going to increase prices again in November, December. But drugs is just something that every October you need to go back to whoever you dealt with. If you don't know, call us. You know, we're going to do it for free. And it's fast and it's not hard for us. And we send you the paper or the email. And if you need to change, we can help with that. If you don't need to change, we're going to tell you you don't need to change. Mm-hmm. But very rarely is it not in someone's best interest to make some kind of a change, unless they're only taking one or two prescriptions. But even then, you have to look at the cost of those plans. But drugs will just eat you up later on. You're right. You have to take in uh, the consideration not only of the cost of the medicine, but the cost of the plan itself. And that can result in uh, a cost of of nothing, where you're paying something, and yet you're not getting any prescriptions against it. Uh, that that uh, has got to be weighed in there, too. So always taking the premium as well as your other uh, costs for prescriptions into consideration. Full disclosure before we... Before we take a break, uh, full disclosure, I do have one policy through this fine guy on the phone with me, through Affordable One, and that is indeed just what we're talking about, a prescription policy called WellCare. And I would just want to say up front that I am not receiving any uh, benefit from a standpoint of being paid to make this announcement or for this interview. And I would just want to make that very clear that we are talking about all of these things because you are a shepherd sponsor. And that's why we're so grateful to have you on the line. I'll be back with him for one more quick segment. I've got Don Kirkendall and Affordable One on the line. We'll be right back. On the line with me is Don Kirkendall from Affordable One. Uh, during the break, we were talking about the fact that the company that I mentioned, which is one of the companies you represent, and I know you represent several different insurance companies, prescription companies, uh, lots of different types of businesses use Affordable One. Uh, and as an independent agent, you can kind of point people here or there. But the company that I mentioned was WellCare, and you've mentioned that there was a change, right? Well, WellCare got bought by Centene. Centene, very good company third largest, I think they're still third largest insurance company in America, and it changed the landscape here in Florida because in the past, we have a certain company number one, certain company number two. I remember years ago going to the number three company and saying, you know, are you working real hard to be number two? And they said, look, we're just trying not to be number four. Well, when Centene bought WellCare, it blew that company down to number five because they're a sizable organization. And they've done a very good job of fixing some of the stuff. And mm-hmm. when I say stuff, you know, in my world, there are things that we have to deal with that the customer never sees. And I think Centene's done a very good job. But one of the things they did do is they reduced the drug plans from six to three. And I don't know what they'll do this year, but when they did that, some people automatically got bumped up to a more expensive plan goes back to what we were talking about is every October you need to get with somebody somewhere somehow and, and have this checked. 
because there may have been no reason for you to go to that plan other than that was what the company had decided at that point. They could have had a plan with all your prescriptions at a lower cost. And I know we probably changed, can't even give you a good number of people because the price range is huge. Mm-hmm. Drug plans start about $7 in Florida and they go up to $175 wow. a month just for the plan. Wow. Now, I know, I know we have nobody on a $175 plan. Every time I see that thing, it drives me crazy. Um, we have a lot of people, I would say the vast majority of clients are going to be $25 or under. We have a few in the 30 ish range, but it comes down to formulary. You have to make sure the lady that sat here yesterday was just blown away. And we have to do it on computer because it's too complicated to do manually because there's 30 some companies right in Florida. Forget the fact that we do this in 28 States. And so the, Uh, formulary becomes extremely important as well as your preferred pharmacy because you want to keep your costs down. And you may love the guy over at XYZ. We have a pharmacy right across the parking lot from us. We love those guys. Mm -hmm. But they're not on the preferred list for anybody. So we're talking to the pharmacist, and I said, I appreciate, you know, you give great service. You're wonderful people. Everything is great. I said, but let me show you the difference in cost for the customer. Let's just pretend there's a $5 difference and you take four prescriptions. That's $20 a month. That's $250 a year. Wait a minute. You could have paid for your drug plan based mm-hmm. on that difference. Mm-hmm. Now, $250 probably doesn't mean much to you know famous radio star celebrities, but, but when you get out here uh, to the typical people that we see all the time, $250 is a lot of money. That's a lot of money for anyone. Yeah. yeah. Well, Look at the price of gas. We're now paying what we're paying, and all of a sudden you want to fill up your tank. If there's a $2 increase and you've got a 15-gallon tank, there's $30 mm-hmm. a month, $350 yep. a year. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that $250 becomes critical very, very, very fast. So It really does. Something, yeah, all that, these things add up. Now, one thing that is always so confusing to a lot of people and surprising, it was certainly surprising to me to find out the, the differences between what some uh, drugstores, well-known drugstores, uh, charge for a given prescription. And then you go to another spot, and they've got the same identical drug there that people take, a prescription drug, and it is for pennies on the dollar compared to what they paid before. What Are they just getting away with it? Is that as simple as that, Don? Well, understand, all types of drugs must be in all plans, but not all names of drugs. So what's that mean in English? That means that every plan's got to have a statin in it. It does not mean that every plan has to have Lipitor in it. Mm-hmm. They could have atorvastatin calcium which is the generic version of Lipitor, Xanax. Xanax is just infamous. Same exact situation with that. And so what happens is when the company submits this to the government, they submit their formulary and their tiers, one, two, three, four, and five. Those are just levels. Tier one is going to be the least expensive. About three or four years ago, we were in a meeting where a company openly admitted that they had moved some tier two drugs to tier four. 
What's that mean to you? They got much more expensive. Real fast. Instead Mm. of paying $6, now you were paying $97. Wow. And and so I got with the company representative. I'm not going to tell you who it is because I'm not allowed to tell you who it is. And I said to him, I said, I'm bringing those people over to your office. And he's like, what? And I said, I, I, I know I got a couple of people. And that kind of an increase, a $90 increase per month, is almost $1,000 at the end of the year. Mm. I said, that's just insane. And I know there were a couple situations where they had to go backwards. Um, Companies do make adjustments during the year to the different tier levels on prescriptions. But a lot of it, when you look at why company A does something, some companies don't want to be in the drug business. It's very, very obvious to us. Um, I've asked that question at some of the training we go to. I said, I look at your drug plans. I don't get the impression you get excited about this. And they'll talk and talk and talk. But the reality is that business is like other parts of uh, health insurance where done correctly, it's very, very profitable. But if you are not geared up to do it correctly, it may not be all that profitable. And with all due respect, they're in business to make money. So, mm-hmm. Now, you mentioned like this whole thing. You mentioned this whole thing about October and this thing of renewing or uh, having a, a, a new a season where you have to enroll. And then there's an end to that enrollment season. And really, it is very limiting what you can do to make changes uh, from that point in time in December, whenever it ends, until the very next October. How long have... Uh, how long have has this process been going on? Because I, I get it that a lot of people still are surprised when they find out they want to switch plans, but they're no longer in enrollment, and they didn't even know there was an enrollment. How long has this been going on like that? Well, and, and the reason for that is, believe it or not, you actually get a book from the government every year that Medicare and you, and a lot of people don't read the book. Mm-hmm. Now, it's probably like reading an insurance policy. I know you got up this morning. You said to yourself, wow, I can't wait to go out and read an insurance policy. <laughs> yeah. um, you know me well. Maybe not. <laughs> no, no. I Look, I do this, and I don't get up in the morning excited to go read an insurance policy, even though I have to. But this, I mean, I go back before there were prescription drug plans. A lot of people forget that once upon a time, you paid whatever they felt like charging you. Mm-hmm. And that was the program. And then when the prescription drug program came in, people got into it, saw that they could save some money. But you have some things called enrollment periods. So for Medicare, October 15th to December 7th right now is the annual election period. It's not open enrollment. It's the annual election period. You can go out and make 27 changes to your drug plan or your advantage plan. But whatever the last one is, Last one in before December 7th, that's the one you'll have for January. Now, come January, we have open enrollment. Um, This year it was January, February, March. Open enrollment, though, you only get to make one change. So a woman called me today, and she's going through all this, and I talked to my sister. She's your customer. I want what she's got. That's truly wonderful. You have one problem. What's that? Uh, You missed it. It was last Thursday. Mm-hmm. So come Friday, April 1st, no, you couldn't do that. 
And so now she'll have to wait until October. Then you also have a thing called special enrollment periods. And those happen from time to time. Big storm comes through, the government says, we're gonna give you a period of time to go make changes. But the most important one is the annual election period in the fall. And then if you do have a problem, um, then you wanna check back with you know, your agent, wherever you got your product, or if you can't find them, you can always call us at, during the open enrollment period come January, February, because that's the point where we had some folks sit here in the fall, they saw some crazy commercial, um, made a change, not realizing that it wasn't exactly the way it is. I mean, we all love TV, but I think we know that not everything on TV, it's kind of like the internet, where as much as you want to believe it, maybe not. And so now that they were using it, they found that it wasn't exactly the way it was portrayed. Mm -hmm. So they got one more chance to make a change. Wow. Boy, Don, there's so many things that you've uh, already cleared up for a lot of people here. And we need to know these things. And that whole thing about it, election period in mid-October, that's something that people, I, I do know that if there's a major life change, like if someone gets married, I know there are exceptions for things like that, right? Well, you have now you have uh, PPACA or otherwise known as Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. And so last year, they, well, Obamacare also has certain enrollment periods. If you get pregnant, if you move, certain things happen for special enrollment periods. And so that stuff ends also. But now they just wrote in another one the other day to us that if you make 150% of the poverty level or below, you get to make a change on Obamacare, mm. ACA. And then this morning, the president got on TV and he has an idea of a way that he wants to change it again. And so it keeps us busy keeping track of all that to make sure that if somebody's got an issue, we can help them as much as possible. But unfortunately, there are those days where we have to tell people no. Yeah, you can't do it because the deadline is passed. And uh, you got to wait. Fortunately, the good news, I guess, it's like you said, October, mid-October does come around. And uh, if, Lord willing, if they can make the change then, then it's a free game to do that again. Uh, Give us the Affordable One contact information. Well, we're right here on Aloma Avenue in beautiful Winter Park, Florida. People come and visit us all the time. Uh, They can go to affordableone.com. We spell out the one, O-N-E. Or they can call us at 407-965-4166. And, and we have people here, auto, homeowners, commercial insurance, health insurance, Medicare plans. So we have specialists in each of those areas. Um, and it, it, being able to do different things makes it easier for our clients. They don't have to drive all over town or go. In, I mean, you can go on the Internet. We're on the Internet. Um, but for the most part, we find more and more people actually like to talk to a human or at least know there's one out there. It's so nice to talk to a human when you're trying to make a phone call. I just uh, can't tell you how uh, frustrating that can be. But thank you for taking the time to be on the line with us here today. And I I do trust. We appreciate it. We're glad we can support you guys and what you're doing. Well, thank you so much. Don Kirkendall, Affordable One. And uh, look this guy up. He's a good guy. 
And uh, we'll, that's about it for us today, friends. Thank you for being with me on the program. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.